I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett, as uh, we are making our way through the month of January now, and um, it's official. Coaches go on the road Friday to begin recruiting. Uh, they can start going into high schools. Um, they can do in-home visits still with 2023 prospects if there's some that are out there. Uh, but on in wake of that, Nebraska has made the announcement of their final three coaching hires. None of them are surprises. In fact, we knew all three. Uh, Bob Wager is now the tight ends coach from Arlington Martin High School. Uh, Garrett McGuire is the receivers coach, and then Rob Dvorak is the linebackers coach. Both Dvorak and McGuire come from the Carolina Panthers. Uh, nothing really big there, Sip, that jumps out because we knew all this, but it was more the logistics. I'm now more intrigued on the salary numbers yeah. and kind of what a $7 million pool looks like when you kind of look at the staff itself. There aren't a lot of guys on this staff that have commanded big money as coaches in their career. No, they really haven't. Now, there is, it is backing up a little bit. I mean, the news is, is that the staff's finalized. We're, yeah, all the final ten. three are finalized. So a lot of people wondered like, about that. Why isn't it finalized? Well, it's finalized. As far as the salaries go, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I mean, the, a big talking point when Matt Rule was high, hired, I think it was November 27th, one of the big talking points was Trev Alberts, Nebraska AD, saying they have a $7 million salary pool. So that naturally people kind of went to the fantasy. It's like the building the all-star band. Yeah. And, and I don't think Matt Rule ever had that, that in mind. Um, Will he spend all $7 million? Well, I, I mean, I, <laughs> I think you would. I think you would. It means some guys are going to be making a, a lot more money than they've ever made, uh, which is fine. It's a tough job. Like, what do you pay Garrett McGuire, Robin? If you're hiring a 23 year old, first year, full position coach, quarter million, two fifty. Yeah. I mean, that's about what Barrett Brute I mean, made on his first yeah, job. He's a full time power five position coach. I mean, that's pretty standard money right there. And say what you want about his qualifications. I mean, this, this is the head coach hires, so they're going to pay him accordingly. So, in that seven million, does that? Is that just for the full-time assistants? And the strength coach. And I know this has gone back and forth. Yeah. There's a lot of passionate people on Husker Online um, that have debated because the contract does say the 10 assistant coaches, but the University of Nebraska confirmed to me the strength coach is in that $7 million pool as well. So you're looking at like $630-some-thousand-dollars in change per hire on average. So this like extended support no, staff. just the head strength coach. No, but I'm talking like beyond that. Like So like – Analysts and they're not in that, so they're not included. No, these are contracted coaches. Analysts are employees of the university, so big difference. Uh, they are at will employees as analysts and recruiting staffers. When they're terminated, they're terminated with 30, 60, or 90 day severances or whatever. No, no severances. Uh, where a contract coach, if they're fired, as long as it's not for cause, they're paid out an additional year. So, big difference. If you remember Bob Welton, guys, mm-hmm. when he yeah, left yeah. Nebraska mm-hmm. to go to Alabama, and he's still there, and Bob was a great guy. I uh, got to know him a little bit during his short time here. Um, he got a contract at Alabama, and that was one of the big reasons why he left. Not only did he get a pay bump, he got put on a contract, which when you're a coach, that gives you a lot of security. Yeah, and those those contracts, those numbers, we'll know soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, the staff's finalized. That's the news, and that's that's good. I mean, that's – what is it, January 11th? That's due time. I mean, and now they hit the road Friday. Hit the road Friday. So, Sean, you're dialed into, like, coaching salary stuff like that. I don't, I don't even pretend to, like, know or guess that sort of thing. What we On the chat, somebody asked that, like, to break down your projected 
coaching salaries. Hard to do. Well, yeah, it's extremely hard to do. But what, what was your kind of rough estimate? Because I think <laughs> I, I didn't even try to answer that because I just would have been throwing out random numbers. I think you have to have different tiers. Like, do you just say a million and a half each for Satterfield? Yeah, that's and good. Tony White. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, between one two and one five. I, I yeah. you know, there's ne- and to kind of put it in context, there's never been a million dollar coach that's an assistant at Nebraska. And there's gonna be two now, uh, and there's gonna be two. Um, <laughs> Times are changing, and I don't, I don't believe there's ever been a nine hundred thousand dollar coach. I, don't I think, think so. I think the eight hundreds had been the highest. What was, had, what was the most chin made? Eight oh, yeah, fifty. Yeah, he was eight fifty. Eight hundred, eight fifty. It was never nines. Okay. Uh, Tim Beck was in the eights, and that was a long time ago. So. Tim Beck's pay back then was really high. Mm-hmm. What was D- Sean? Do you remember Bob Diaco? Uh, was that was that? I can look it up. Look that up real fast. It, it was in the eights or nines, right around that number as well. I think you're right about Tony White and Marcus Satter. One two to one five range. He made eight eight twenty five. Diaco. Ooh, Diaco 2017. Okay. I yep. was highly. He was highly paid. Got to pay for those nice suits and sweaters. Yeah, he, he dressed yeah. really well. He really did. Uh, I mean, his stuff was like custom made. Yeah, he didn't. <laughs> Yeah, he didn't wear like Levi's. I mean, remember at Oregon, like the first road game, we interviewed him after that loss, and I mean, it was like he was so dressed. Oregon, up. yeah, he had a he was custom like tailored suit on with a black shirt, like little handkerchief in his pocket. Yeah, mm-hmm. sweet. I mean, he was so dressed up that it was like, oh my! I mean, like wow! Like how'd you, you say you saw him at the pool wearing like white linen pants and like. <laughs> yeah, he had linen on. Well, my my theory, linen. Dude, okay. the, dude wears linen to the pool. You never saw Bob Diaco in <laughs> shorts. Sweet, sweet. You never saw Bob Diaco in shorts. You ever. didn't. Never. Why is that? Uh, you always saw him in high I socks because why? he had an Iowa Hawkeye tattoo on his leg. He had the Hawkeye on his calf. Oh boy. And wasn't that the same thing? With, does Kaz, didn't Kaz have the same thing? I don't know. Well, because that. that's why he always wore sweatpants. Bob Stoops had one oh, too. Okay, um, it was a big Iowa thing. It's an Iowa thing. Bielema has one. Wait, I think. Kaz had one? I thought so. Kaz played for Notre Dame though. Oh, yeah, so, so, so then it was Bielema. Bielema has Bielema. one. Yeah, there's yeah. no. <laughs> yeah, good job. Good call, Sean. Kaz. Kaz. I knew it was one. Some. Some. Other, somebody else had yeah, one. Yeah, it was a thing at Iowa. I think guys got those because Bob Stoops had. We remember Bob Bruce, our old colleague or friend that you used to work with Kevin Kugler. Mm-hmm. We were at Big 12 Media Days one year, and this was like the early years of Bob Stoops at Oklahoma. I mean, because Bob was on that show a long time ago, and he tried to get Bob Stoops to show him the Hawkeye tattoo. And Bob, <laughs> I mean, Bob was a wild card. <laughs> did he really? And um, Bob, Stoops would not have it. He wouldn't? No, he was like, what, no. Was he? Did he have a sense of humor about it? He's like, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. Oh, oh boy. That was probably awkward. <laughs> you can imagine Bob Stoops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. But back to the coach salaries. Okay. Yeah. So we're thinking one, two to one, five on these coordinators. Um, I think so. I think then you've got kind of another tier where I think there's going to be a lot of guys that are making like 500,000 or 600 in that five, six range. Who's the higher pro? Who's the highest profile non coordinator? Yeah, who is that? Mm. <laughs> I'd like to say, honestly, Bob Wager. But he's he's not gonna he's never been a college coach, um, at a D one level. Tight ends coach too, Sean. Not not no. very high profile. Bob Bob Wager probably make like four hundred. Yeah. Um, EJ Barthel probably like five hundred. Jeez, oh, with it, I mean that is he's a very young, inexperienced coach making five. Yeah. Like what about what, Cooper? Yeah. Evan, Evan Cooper might I mean, be. He's not, he's right. rules right hand man. Yeah, he's gonna be probably the highest paid non coordinator. Yeah, yeah. If you did yeah, wager. Yeah, he, he he's happy right now. He's gonna make some mm-hmm. money. He's gonna make more money. They're all they'll all be doing well. Yeah. <laughs> now the coordinators too will get three year contracts, which has mm. never been done at Nebraska either before. Mm. Um, usually get two. Two is the business norm or the industry standard. Um, They're getting three. The coordinators will get three year deals. That's notable. So you're 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 talking. You might have three year deals valued at four million dollars a piece on these core. I mean, it's a pretty good deal. Think about that. I I am right now. Um, I'm thinking about Tony White right now. How at forty age forty three? I mean, he just hit the lottery. Well, he was making seven eighty or seven. Pretty good. Just going to double his salary. No yeah. big deal. Yeah, but and, and that was he was the highest paid assistant ever at Syracuse. Okay. Now, yeah, I mean, he. I was going to be the highest paid assistant maybe at Nebraska. Well, and you can go like house shopping in Lincoln and not really worry if, if you have a three year deal. You're like, you know yeah. what? I, I could upgrade a little bit more than I thought I would for uh, coaching because coaches are very careful, I think, when they buy a home. I mean, it's a cutthroat industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you get a three year deal, <laughs> you can, you can kind of settle in. What do you yeah. think for Foley? Yeah, Foley will make He's some a money. coordinator. Okay, you're right. Yeah, Foley and Cooper, probably the highest paid. 
non-coordinators. Highest profile, too. They're, they're going to be a step up from the other guys. I would say Knighton and um, the running backs coach, Barthel, mm -hmm. will be about the same, don't you think? Mm -hmm. and well, I don't know. I, don't, yeah, I can't say, but yeah, probably. I wonder where Raiola is going to stack up. Yeah. Well, he, yeah, well, he, well, he kind of, because he, he was, he year? wasn't making that much money last year, uh -huh. Ryola. He was lower. Check uh, that out. 400. And, and, and I don't know how the fan base would react if he got a big raise. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? 325,000. Ah, that's, 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 he's low. That's low. So would he get up to like 400 maybe? Would they bump him up? <laughs> well, once again, what's that announcement? Well, you don't, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll help, I'll help my alma mater out here. If he gets a raise, don't announce it. Well, you have to the contract put are, it out. The contract, well, yeah, but public. they don't yeah. announce salaries. Well, you know what? Yeah, you just you have to ask. How the will records. the fan base react to that? I don't know. If you put it in the context where like they're paying every coach more than they did before, like yeah, a raise, probably is okay. like you're right. An though, thing. Foley and, and Cooper are going to be the highest. Yeah. yeah, and Robin, you're right too. It's just sort of built into the discussion. It's just, just expect every member of the full time staff is going to be making more than the previous full time staff. Yep, it's there gonna be go. interesting. It's the nature of the beast. It's All a good right, deal. It's the good portal deal. has been active for Nebraska with adding new players. We're gonna hit on that and the latest addition, Billy Kemp. Next, you're listening to the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Zibble, Robin Washed as uh, we're talking transfer portal and just the impact it's had uh, for Nebraska over the last few weeks uh, with Matt Rule um, at show taping time, Nebraska um, with uh, now eight transfers in the boat for next year. Um, still nowhere near last year's 15 that they brought in um, that were scholarship additions. I think there might have been even more than 15. There might have been one more. They had. 16. 16. I wonder who the 16th is. I don't know. Don't get. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> Um, <laughs> 16, John. I know you've said 15. I, it's 15 or 16. That's the way. Yeah, on three's got it at 16 So as we're at well. nine now. Nine now, right? Yeah, uh, eight. Oh, eight. 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 Uh, there's a chance for nine. Um, but the big one, you know, Nebraska adds a, an addition of uh, Billy Kemp the fourth out of Virginia. And, you know, I, he – is a guy that's not this past year because he battled an injury, but the previous two years he had nearly 100 targeted throws each of the last two seasons. That's more targets than Samori Torre got at Nebraska in 2021. It's slightly under the number of targets that Trey Palmer got this past year. So it puts in perspective he's a high-volume pass catcher, and I think he's coming here, guys, to be number one. Yeah, and so you see him more as a slot guy, right? Like yeah. that, That's pretty – I'll, I'll I'll break it down here. Naturally, yeah. I know, Seth. You've, you've get broke, the grease board out, Coach. You've, you've spent the the long nights watching film on this guy. So I'll I'll, I'll hand the mic over to <laughs> you. It's a good question. I don't. He he's. This is a very interesting conversation to me about Billy Kemp. Sean automatically puts the number one receiver tag on him. I guess I. Sean, do you just do that by default? Now here's the thing. I don't know if he's that type of receiver. He's five nine one seventy two. I have watched a lot of film on him, by the way. He's close. They do. They Virginia did split him wide. He, he wasn't always in the slot. He, mm -hmm. he was in the slot though too. Here's the deal: they split him wide. They put him in the slot. Hell, they put him in the backfield, um, motion him out. That, that you can do a lot with him, yeah. but he's not a prototypical one because of his size. Is he like a Wandale? Hmm. That's a good analogy. Well, and he's a punt returner. He's not as good. He's one. <laughs> Here's what I'd say about that. Wandale could play running back. Mm -hmm. I don't <laughs> think you could put this guy at running back. Okay. All right. He's, he's not that. He didn't have that. He's a little small. But well, he can carry the ball out of the backfield, like he, in wrinkles. Simple. He had 74 wrinkles. catches in 2021 and yeah. 67 in 2020. Here's the difference, though, Sean. You keep saying number one. Okay. Here's the difference. Samari Ture averages 19 yards a catch at Nebraska. Okay. 19 yards. 19.8. Uh, the guy that lists Trey Palmer this year averaged 14.8, 14.9. No, this guy, Kemp, 
yards per catch. So it's different. It's a different. It's a different conversation. Will he, he hasn't stretched the field like. Will he done. lead Nebraska in receptions? Catches. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Here's what I'd say. I think he could lead him in receptions, but will he lead lead him in reception yards? Mm-hmm. Who will be? So you think Marcus Washington, Alante Brown, or Joshua Fleeks will have the most receiving yards? One of those three guys could be Marcus Washington, or it could be somebody we don't know about. Now, Marcus Washington had a record year last year in his career. He had 48 targets, 31 catches for 471. So uh, he averaged 15.2 per catch last year. I know what I'm doing if I'm rule. And we all know what the quarterback play was in several of those games there, too. So good, good numbers, good numbers. Yeah, and, and by the way, Billy Kemp. Now, I, now I, I'm coming across like I'm downplaying. He's good. I like him. I just don't know. You're not, ready to, you're not ready to give him the Porsche. Right. And he benefited from Brennan Armstrong. Brennan Armstrong's a good quarterback who was thrown to him. Brennan Armstrong threw for a ton of yards. Yeah, I'm just not ready to give him Porsche. In fact, if I were a rule, what I would do is go try to find a six-two-six-three blazer that's a pure, pure guy you split. Well, wide. they tried that with Malik Hornsby, and they thought they had him. Uh, mm-hmm. The Malik Hornsby, the Arkansas quarterback, who that's a project, Sean. I, I want a guy who's in the Power Five who's caught a bunch of passes. See what I'm saying? And those guys aren't out there, though. Yeah, it's hard to find them. I mean, Trey Palmer, who would have thunk that Trey Palmer could have had a year like he had? I mean, I, well, I his, think Mickey did. His Okay, but his previous best year was 344 yards mm-hmm. receiving. I remember going into the year, there was talk, could he be a 1,000-yard receiver? And okay. I think that we said that. We didn't rule it out by any stretch. And now he's projected third-round pick. Nope. He's Guys, they're projected him third-round pick. ESPN he, had that. I mean, story. his only knock is the drops. Yeah, and he's not very physical. Like he's yeah. had a lot of drops um, as a receiver, and the Illinois game. If you're gonna like really dissect tape, just how he went away in that game, they roughed he, him up. And even the Michigan game, but the Michigan game, like you can't really. Right. I mean, the, the the quarterback situation was a disaster. The knock, the knock is the drops. The knock is also Sean. He's not all that physical, and they'll have to be more physical. But man, I mean, he's a. ESPN had him as the tenth rated wideout for wow. the draft. Yeah, that's you're getting drafted pretty high at, at if you're the tenth rated wideout. Now Brian Munson brought up a great point in his uh, three and out recruiting column just about Billy Kemp and Joshua Fleeks being both six year seniors and just how they're going to have two you know grown men almost kind of in that room to help mature and, sh- and Marcus Washington is an older guy too. But I mean you're going to have two or three guys older than the coach. Yeah, mm-hmm. Kemp. Here's the deal with Kemp. He, he plays that way, too. He can do a lot. That's the thing about Kemp. He goes over the middle on third and seven. He, you can go to him. In fact, Armstrong would lock in on him on third and seven. They were locking in. So that 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 kind of backs what you say, Sean. He could be a number one. They, they You know what? He runs a jet sweep really well. He does that really well. He catches a screen pass really well and gets upfield. He's... He's really versatile. He's really versatile. They didn't really let him stretch the field at Virginia. Not too much. He played between the hashes. Yeah. I they, mean, he, they threw some over-the-shoulder stuff to him deep, but not a lot. But, uh-huh. yeah, he um, he's walking into a great situation. I think that's oh, that's is. the key. And he is. He's got to catch a lot of passes. Mm-hmm. Like, Robin and I had this debate, and the, to me, the X is Marcus Washington. Um, the Z is Elante Brown. And the, the the slot is Billy Kemp. Yeah, Elante Brown and Kemp look a lot alike. That's the thing. I mean, that well, the Z and the slot are different. I mean, in how they're how, different positions, but those guys are similar heights, kind of play the same. Kemp's probably faster than Elante. You just got to wonder how interchangeable those spots are. I mean, like how mixing and matching is going to be done, you know, with with those spots, especially just hearing. Marcus Satterfield talk about how you know they put they they move guys around all the time. Receivers are playing running back, you know, and it would be out wide in the slot. So I mean, yeah, I don't pigeonhole guys into you or Z. Okay. You're an X. You're a slot. That's the way, wise thing to do. Yeah, to not do. You're yeah. right. And and really, you can't do that with Billy Kemp. They move him all exactly. At least Virginia did. They moved him all over the place. He's like a Wandell in that sense. Yeah. So it will be interesting just to see. If they add any more receiver, like, and there's some other names that we don't talk about, like Janiron Bonner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where's he at? Yeah. Good question. Any, any of those freshmen coming in, too? Yeah. Who, who among those freshmen? You, you've mentioned Jaden Doss, Sean. Uh, and Malachi Coleman. Yeah. Like, can, you know, can they get him going? You know, you, you got four games for some of these guys, too. Are there opportunities? To play some of these guys, to give them a little audition to see where they're Man, at? You start off at Minnesota. And then, then Colorado. Yeah. I mean, you know how it is with freshmen. 
I mean, you can do it. Some freshmen are ready for that. But, man, that's, ooh, Did you you're see? not easing into anything. Mm-mm. You're not easing into anything at Minnesota or Colorado. Did you see Colorado was trying to play week zero against Arizona State? I don't know if it's going to happen. No. It got, got shut down because Dion leaked it to Herb Street, and I think Arizona State pulled out of it. That was the report as of Wednesday. I don't understand why Arizona State would pull out of it. Like To me, it would be a humongous ratings game, like a huge ratings game for the Pac-12, where the conference would say, no, we're playing this game if we can get it. And it was going to be at Arizona State, right? It was going to be a road game for Colorado. I don't know how that week zero stuff works, so I don't know if you can just get a wa- I mean, I'd love to know what the waiver is. Like, Are one of those teams playing Hawaii? Because as it stands right now, you have to play Hawaii to get a week zero game or have an FCS opponent, or go overseas like Nebraska did at Ireland. Uh, They're going to change that, though. I think when the playoff expands, um, Week 0 is going to be a part of the regular season where they're just going to call it Week 1. Yeah, might as well. So, Kemp, back to Kemp. Would you say there are three top portal guys right now? I don't know. I think you'd put Sims number one, Scott number two, and would you put Kemp number three? Um, Or, like, in in terms of... Impact, potential impact. Um, yeah, well, those are the top three. And Elijah Judy's a wild card. I think, okay. I think he could play a lot of snaps. What about what about um, uh, the chief boarders on the edge? He's got an opportunity to play a lot of snaps. I mean, he just didn't do anything at Florida. Right. What about Collier at safety? Same thing. Didn't do anything at Florida. So it's really hard to, to know because we've kind of been there, done that with portal guys that have come in and not done much at yeah. school A. They don't. I mean, think of some. I'm not going to go through the names of guys, but think of some of the guys that came last year. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't do anything didn't at the previous anything, school, man. and they, you know, Trey Palmer at least did something at LSU. Mm-hmm. Like a few of the guys in Nebraska added didn't do much at the previous school. And they didn't do anything in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. So, it's going to be interesting just to see how it all comes together. Uh, the team reports back Sunday night. Okay, that's, that's good that's, info. Sean. That's the meeting. They're going to have a meeting Sunday night, okay. and then get going now. Classes don't begin until the following Monday, the 23rd. Okay. But the, the players get in and start reporting Sunday. Sunday night. Okay. And I know in our chat, there was some people that weren't familiar with the On3 transfer portal rankings. That's a new, relatively new feature that On3 just uh, recently debuted, uh, where you know before portal additions weren't factored into recruiting rankings. Well, now we have a separate portal, portal team, rankings. team rankings. And Nebraska... With their eight transfers in, 14 transfers out, uh, they're at number 23 nationally, just behind Pitt at 22 and just ahead of Virginia Tech at 24. Okay. So, decent spot. Yeah, eight in and 14 out, and we're expecting probably maybe nine in. Would, there, would, would that number go over nine before January 18th when the portal shuts down? I don't down? think so, unless there's somebody that we, that we don't, just know, don't about. know And that's the hard thing in – you know, for our users and listeners, you know, the transfer portal is locked up. I mean, you're, you're not dealing with 16, 17-year-old kids here. I mean, a lot of times they're older players that are veterans and grown men. Keep it on the down. They keep it on the down and, low. Mm-hmm. You know, like Micah Mazuka. everybody in the industry on all the networks, everybody thought Nebraska had the edge. The Florida guys did, and then he picks Florida. And, you know, you know, people were pretty upset about it. But we were – I mean, just so our, our people know, we were – ready to roll we had everything set yeah. because the intel we had and you know omar hales touting a commit friday night which we don't even know who that commit was now i mean because they yeah. um they didn't get maybe they thought they had it Mizuka. Well, Twitter I, I think it was hornsby oh malik hornsby. so yeah to kind of give you a little backstage pass how we operate like we get ready for some of these, and, and our competition does the same thing, same thing. too. Yeah. Um, you did it at the Journal Star for yeah, all your years, absolutely. But like we had stories ready to go for Hornsby, mm-hmm. we had stories ready to go for Mazuka. Yeah. Um, we were we were at the ready last. We night. had videos recorded. I mean, we had things ready to roll. We then thought the, this happening. So yeah, it, 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 it we put a lot of time in. It's kind of been a grind, but we're almost there, boys. Well, no, I know. I mean, even if the portal were open all year, it's not that bad. I mean, there's write about guys that might come and might not. <laughs> but anyway. All right, when we come back, um, we're going to talk about some Nebraska basketball. By the way, the concession stand situation was much better. I'm going to hit on that. It's probably come. the most positive update we'll have on there. Uh, we'll hit on Colby Ridge was operating at a high level. They, they've been operating at a high level all year. <laughs> the popcorn was flowing. The beer was flowing, though. Uh, and other than that, nothing else. But we'll, we'll hit on that next. You're listening to the Husker Alliance show. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple. Robin Washett, before we get into Nebraska basketball talk, this segment of the program brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill, 30th and Yankee Hill Road. Um, Get on in there, watch all of the NFL playoffs. I know nobody is a bigger fan of this time of the year than Robin Washett. Love it. Especially when the New York football giants are participating. They are. Yes, they are, Sip. Six seed going to play the Minnesota Vikings. Ooh, you got a shot there. Set. We do have a shot. We should have beat them in the regular season. Where, where, you, where, where will you be watching that game? Uh, uh, by myself, without anyone else around me, because I don't, I don't need any outside distractions. Can I gotta, you work that? Can, i got to lock in. Can you do that? Well, I mean, my kids will probably bother me, but, you know, that's No un- tanners that's for you. Can no. you tell your no. kids this is quiet time for Dad? Can you do that? Uh, no. They, yeah, they, they have yeah. zero respect for that. <laughs> but get on into Tanner Sports Bar <laughs> and Grill. Thirty the Yankee. <laughs> Sorry, Sean. 30th at Yankee Hill Road. Yeah, we all just lost six, some sponsors there. That's all okay. six NFL playoff games on this weekend. Um, and I love that, by the way. That, What's that? You know, they expand the playoffs, but it's genius because you get two Saturday games, yep. three Sunday games, oh, yeah. and a Monday night game. Oh, it's a great time. Of so year. you get mm-hmm. a playoff game in every window, mm-hmm. and you can watch them all. So it's cool. getting a, no better place to go. Rob, you'd be surprised. I, even – you know, I'm not a huge NFL guy, but I lock in hard on these playoffs. Love the playoffs. Yeah, it's amazing. Best time of the year. All right, let's talk about the other best time of the year is basketball season for Robin Washington. Oh, yeah. Um, let's get into the details, Robin. Um, 76 to 50. The highlight of the game was the concession stand situation. Um, Absolutely. They, they brought it. Um, they did? Oh, we'll get into the game here, but when you walked into the arena – they had they had a, a wristband station immediately. They had beer troughs around the arena. The the ground level concession stand by the elevator or the escalators was open for the first time in years. The Valentino's full service stand was open for the first time since the twenty nineteen basketball season. Um, they had it all figured out, and it was the best I've seen it in years at PBA. So that was the good news. Let's get to the bad mm-hmm. news. The game. Yeah, I mean, where do you start? It was a disaster from the jump and it was a game where you had a good crowd like i thought that the that the fans were it wasn't like sold out but it was a it was a good crowd it was 13,000 probably yeah yeah and they were ready to i mean they kind of understood what that situation was and then just the way the game started with all the whistles i mean six fouls in the first 4 minutes 24 fouls combined in the first half there was zero chance to establish any sort of flow or momentum. So every time Nebraska would make a run, there'd be followed by a whistle to take the air out of the arena. And that just kind of allowed the game to, to plod along until Illinois finally got going. I mean, they still only shot, what, 33% in the first half, but they had Terrence Shannon Jr. And that, that's kind of the, the difference right now, where Nebraska has to walk such a fine line. Everything needs to follow such a specific script on both ends of the floor for them to have a chance, especially in this conference, that when things don't go their way, when Derek Walker picks up two early fouls and plays six minutes in the first half, when they shoot 36% from the floor, uh, and they're missing free throws and doing all those things, uh, they, they just it's hard for them to recover, whereas Illinois was going through a lot of the same problems, but they had a star, and their star changed yeah. the game. Yeah. He took the game over, 27 points, uh, 11 rebounds, four assists, four steals in 35 minutes. I mean, that was the difference for me. That That's what changed the game, and Nebraska just didn't have the firepower anywhere close to it to respond and keep up. Terrence Shannon. Terrence Shannon. I mean, it's not like he's done this all year. He's been good, but not 27 points good. He's a now, – now, Rob, you think he's an NBA player. I think he might be right. Very left-hand dominated, drove the basket really well, hit a couple threes. He was in, he's a he had a lot of bounce last night. I mean, they didn't they didn't 
he was driving by guys a little mm-hmm. too easily. Well, when Emmanuel Bandamel struggles to stay in front of a guy, yeah. that's telling to me. Yep. He's yes. as good of an on-ball defender as uh-huh. there is in the conference. He was getting around. And Terrence Shannon was blown by him. Yeah, you're, Sh- Shannon was good last night. But Illinois was a l- – now, now, listen, this is what's interesting. Illinois comes in beats Nebraska by 26. This is an Illinois team that was 4-4 four and four in their last eight. It's not like Illinois is tearing it up. They're 1-3 in they the They have league. talent, though. Mm-hmm. They do. I don't want to oversell them, though. They've I mean, underperformed. I mean, compare where they were okay. when they got blown out by Missouri. Well, I will say this, Rob. I like this Illinois team better than last year's. I do. They're so, they're so different without Kofi in there. I mean, that that's the difference. The Half their shots are three-pointers, so they're a much more guard-heavy team than they've ever been. And, you know, I think Nebraska got in a situation where – they they get into this habit defensively where they overcommit to defending the paint so hard to where whenever the ball touches the paint, guys double in to help. And that leaves players wide open in the corner on the happening. perimeter. And they were really struggling to get back out and contest three-point shots, and Illinois was getting wide open looks. Well, here's the and deal, that's Rob. That's happened a lot this year. Here's the deal, Rob. Illinois, their ball movement was excellent, mm-hmm. and I thought they're dis- – I thought they were making really decisive moves to the basket. Mm-hmm. So, so a couple of those two things, really good ball movement and decisive moves to the basket. Their offense was – it looked pretty good last night, Illinois. Well, and you, I was just watching you know, on social media the Illinois writers. They were saying the same thing. Like they, right. The ball was popping better than it had been in a long time. I'm not surprised by that. And so you know, not only were they getting looks from three-point range, but because Nebraska was crashing so hard to, to – make up for um you know being late on their closeouts they were over committing uh to stop the shot pump fake boom there's a drive to the lane you saw that and that's what Terrence shannon was just feasting on yeah so All nebraska's right. record now nine and eight mm-hmm. or eight and seven nine and eight nine and eight nine and, and eight and they and go two to and f- two and four and a friday night special at purdue Ooh. yeah and you know a year ago the same game was on a friday night it's at the purdue. hardest place to play in the big ten I don't care what anybody says. Mackey Arena is the most difficult. What was that place game like? Twenty. It was like twenty point deficit in yeah. the first ten minutes last. Well, year. and then Derek Walker got early fouls and like so like the only chance they had was for Walker to stay in the game. The refs took him out like within the first like four to six minutes and it was over. Like, everybody spread, knew it was over at the first media timeout. That spread will be like fourteen. Oh, I mean, yeah, maybe to play it but safe. But I mean, Nebraska pushed him to overtime. Yeah, and so right. that's even more incentive. Like yeah. they're not going to take Nebraska Purdue will not. It's a Friday night in Mackey Arena. Purdue's rolling their third-ranked team in the nation, and they're playing a team that Pushed. almost beat them. Yeah. Should have beat them. So they're going to have their full attention. I told Rob on this. I'm a huge fan of the Friday night Big Ten basketball game in January and February. Yeah. Not not in like November, December necessarily, but January, February it's when it's cool. It's fun. Yeah, I and like it. I, I wish we don't have any at home this year, do we, Robin? Friday night games. No. So after Purdue. They get is it Ohio State at home after that? Yes, and then it's at Penn, at Penn State. State, and then Northwestern at home, uh, at Maryland, at Maryland, at Illinois, Penn State at home, at Michigan. <laughs> it's relentless. But then you start that final stretch Tails where off. you have four of your final five or four of your final six at home. So the key from this point on is figuring out some way to keep your head above water going into February without. Maybe now, where are we at with Rashawn Gary? Juwan Gary. Juwan Gary. Yeah, yeah uh, that's to be determined. Okay. Um, so last night, Fred didn't see that, Sean. Yeah, Rashawn, uh, right. <laughs> Rashawn Gary. The, he's at DN for the Packers, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so anyway, Gary. Fred was not optimistic. Uh, didn't he? Didn't seem very positive about it. Where he's like, you know, we're going to do further evaluation. Um, we should know by the end of the week. But right now, for Purdue, I would say questionable at best that's a big deal he's their emotional spark plug big deal. all right get on to tanners by the way six o'clock game friday they'll have it on there as well uh nebraska at purdue and then they're not at, they don't play again until wednesday six o'clock in lincoln um against ohio state at pba so a uh, great opportunity to get in and see the huskers next week on wednesday night when we come back we're gonna take questions in the mailbag you're listening to the husker line show with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Steve Sipple. Let's bring in Abby Barmore now. Abby, uh, trying to take some questions in the mailbag. It looked like there were a lot this week. What do you got to start us out with? We talked a lot about earlier in the show about the wide receiver depth, but what about the running back depth? Oh, what do God. you think that's going to be? Good. They're, they got a good running back room. So what? It, what is I'd say number one, either A.J. Allen or Anthony Grant. Those two guys. You need two. You can't just have one. Okay. Two, three, Gabe Irvin. Four, Ramir Johnson. You're in pretty good shape right there, right? Quentin mm-hmm. uh, Ives comes in as a freshman mm-hmm. okay. as well. What okay. about Emmett Johnson? Like him. Like him. I think he could be. I think he could be sneaky good, Rob. I'm glad you mentioned it. What kind of reps will he get? Is the yeah, question. That's the question. It's a loaded room. It's loaded. Got to wonder what the opportunity is going to be. Glad you brought him up, though. He was a good player in Minneapolis. Uh-huh. Tough kid. Uh, you know, he, he he signed in the same class as AJ Allen, so AJ Allen overshadowed him by a long ways. But uh, yeah, I mean, no, that room, man, that's a good room. We've had there's someone in the chat that brought up the point, like could a guy like Gabe Urban play linebacker if you know make a Cody Glenn type move? And I, I just don't he's know. A running back, it's almost insulting to even like. <clears throat> he's a good running back. I mean, he started as a true freshman. He's the first true freshman in program history to start a season opener. And then he got hurt, so he's, yeah. he's, he might be the fastest of those guys. If he doesn't play running back here, he's going to play running back somewhere else. He's now, not going to play the linebacker. Now, now hold on, I'm telling you. He might be the fastest of those guys, and I count Ramirez in that. Mm. I, I mean, one of those guys last summer, Sean told me, it was um, one of the guys said was tell him it was a say it was a safety. Uh, Miles Farmer, I think, told me that Gabe Irvin outruns Ramirez, so mm. Irvin can fly. I mean, and he's big. You know, he, he he's faster Ramirez at six one two fifteen. Sorry. While slowing down the offense and using the fullback sounds good in theory, can it be effective in today's college football game? Is the fullback talk all just kind of red meat, or do you buy into, like, we're going to see, like, 20 plays a game with a fullback? I don't know about 20. And I also don't think there's going to be, like, an exclusive fullback on the roster. Maybe there is, but, like, I think – You'll, there'll be elements of fullback where you have like the tight end motioning into fullback to be that lead blocker, or you have a two back set where, you know, maybe a a bigger back is lined up ahead. But like this isn't going to be like Grace job. yeah, Macavica paving the way for Amon Green. Like this is you know, there's going to be a fullback element. I mean, there, there still is, and especially in a pro style offense, but. I don't see this being like the new direction Matt Rule and Satterfield are taking this thing to get back to the glory days of Smash Mouth football. I, I don't know. Satterfield, Marcus, uh, the, the other day on Friday, I thought he was pretty genuine in talking about it. I, now, what, what's the context in his mind versus what how we know the fullback? I don't know that. Right. But he seemed pretty knowledgeable about Nebraska football history. So, I don't know. I mean, Wisconsin uses a fullback regularly. They employ a fullback. You know, they, they have a two deep with fullbacks on it. Could it be something like that? I don't know. With fullback recruiting, you have to develop and project now. There aren't ready-to-go fullbacks in high school that play the position anymore. I mean, it's not really a position that you see on high school fields anymore. Where, like, when we were growing up in high school in the 80s and 90s in Nebraska, every school had a fullback. And you knew mm-hmm. the guy. You're like, yeah, that guy's – I mean, you – just put your most meathead dude at fullback. And just wear a permanent neck roll. Knock some heads. In the hallways. and I mean, yeah, fullback was a big deal, like, in the 80s and 90s. Oh, and yeah. Early 2000s in Nebraska high school football. And pretty – like, my brother-in-law played fullback at Milford, you know, yeah, like yeah. – and, like, he, you know, and he, like, led the team in rushing. I mean, like, that's back when, like, you know, that was a, a part of high school football. Cool. Any chance the Huskers go after a second portal, portal quarterback? I don't think so. Um, I mean, a lot would have to happen, but I think you really complicate things. <clears throat> Number one, you got Jeff Sims. Number two, you got Casey Thompson, who doesn't appear to be going anywhere. So you got enough there. Logan Smothers. There's currently four quarterbacks, guys, on this roster that have started a Power Five football game. Phew. Okay, how many teams in college football could say that? So what would know. have to happen is okay. They have six scholarship quarterbacks right now. Richard Torres and Heiner Carberg, the other two. Right. So somebody would have to matriculate in the spring. Six is already too many. Yeah, right. Way too many. So if 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 three leave, then yeah, you might have to add somebody. Um, this would be in the spring. And when's the second portal period? May one to fifteenth. Yep. May one to fifteenth. So. 
there's things that can happen before May 1. Well, spring football is going to happen before that portal period. And so May 1's a Monday. So you never know. I mean, there could be some guys that leave which would necessitate you having to bring in another one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but right now, as it stands, there's right. zero need for any more additions in that room. <laughs> and by the way, there's a quarterback by the name of Dylan Riola for 2024. Yeah, that, exactly. I haven't heard know, of him. They uh, <laughs> never heard of him. And I know, I know all the hubbub about Georgia, and we'll, Sipple will have more of that in Tunnel Talk on Friday. We won't give too much away, but um, Nebraska is still in it with Dylan Riola, too. I mean, like in they're in it. They're in it. They're in it. I put Georgia as a favorite, but they're in it. All right, Ab, what's next? What position group on offense and on defense are you most excited for next season? Mm. Position group on offense. Well, running back on offense. You could say quarterback, but I'd say running back on offense because of what we said. What would you say on defense? Hmm. I like those corners. I like Newsom and Hartsog. Safety. I yep. put safety in there. I think yeah, I, that fun. might be the deepest position on the defense. I mean, there's there's concerns about like the beef of the front. Oh, yeah. Big concerns. Well, I'd say front six front six now we're calling it. Um, right? Three three five. Thanks, coach. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, front I'd say is a concern right now for sure. Yeah. Depth and just just playmaking ability, both you wonder about losing those guys on the edge, Garrett Nelson, O'Shawn Mathis, and Caleb Tanner. Those are those are huge hits, huge hits. Yeah, if Garrett Nelson would have returned, oh, changes a lot of things. Changes a lot of things. Colton Feist's return would have would have changed a lot. Yeah, Colton uh, Feist leaving. Um, it's a bigger blow than a lot of people want to give it credit for. Oh, uh, you. I mean, you. You had the pro football focus stat in here, wasn't he? The, their best run stopping big on man on the whole defense. Oh, on sure. the whole defense. Wow. He graded best against the run on the whole defense. And I, I mean, look, is he a high profile major Big Ten defensive lineman? No, but he's a damn good role player. Mm-hmm. For, and you you for need his... those. You need. The, and I did I cuss? I, I shouldn't have probably cussed. You can I, say, I can say damn. I can say okay. Yeah. Why not? Um, I, Damn. <laughs> but he um i think he, I, I think he was a good player i really do oh i, mean, I do too yeah, I mean, especially I mean, for for what his role was i don't know what more you would want out of that position he was just the run stopping line clogging defensive lineman that you know would make an occasional play but he was consistent you knew what you were getting out of him. Yeah. put it this way they got a lot more out of him than stefan Wynn. And who was the guy from Texas Tech they brought Devin in? Devin Drew. Devin Drew. They got a lot more out of Colton Feast last year than those two guys. Yeah, more. And they probably had to pay a lot more money to get those two defensive linemen mm-hmm. out of the portal. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah, there you go. Thank you. Okay, on Monday, Georgia became one of the few teams to win back-to-back national championships. On Red Sea Scrolls, they were talking about, is 2022 Georgia better than 1995 Nebraska? What do you think? It's so hard, guys, because we're getting – so separated in eras with development and body types and offensive styles and coaching. And I mean, we're getting to the point now where you're trying to compare like a 1970s team to a 1990s team. Exactly. It's a, it's a huge gap. Um, But they're in the conversation as one of the, the more dominant ones. I still think 2019 LSU has to be up there now. When you look look at the receivers in the NFL, that would be a better conversation because I I agree with you. You're you're too far removed from the nineties to start comparing teams from the 2020s. It's a different game. Mm -hmm. It's a different athlete. Ha. I'm not totally in agreement with that. I I think that, I I guess you would know better than I would. I think that 95 team it was right on. I mean, right with Georgia, if not a little better defensively. I, I that '95 team was really deep defensively. Um, not that I mean, Georgia is too. Now, Georgia's di- where the, where the comparison gets difficult is Georgia's very balanced offensively. That's what they do. Nebraska didn't try to be balanced offensively. They you know they're just going to hammer it at you. Uh, so. Did, did, I'll ask you this. Did, did Georgia have a running back like Lawrence Phillips? And I will answer the question, no, they don't. They don't with have With Amon like, Green as a backup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't have that. Mm-hmm. Did, did I mean, I'll take Tommy over Stetson Bennett. I mean, Tommy's the best option quarterback to now, play. Now, that's why I think 2019 LSU is better. Better than who? Those two teams. Ah, Justin ah, Jefferson, Jamar Chase. LSU didn't have that kind of defense. LSU went undefeated? I know. They didn't have the Nebraska defense, though. No, no. No, no, no. Look at, look back at how many of those guys for Nebraska got drafted. I mean, you. I think you can well, get how to. How many guys got drafted off the LSU team? I'm talking defense. 17. 
I think it was the number was 17 guys got drafted from Brown. You can't find 17 on that LSU defense that got drafted. No way. No. What, way. what about Miami? Oh, one. Uh, yeah. That might be the best. I can't. I just well, don't. If you're doing off draft picks, there's no better team. Right. I, was, I, I take Miami over just about any. I was listening to an O2 Ohio State player um, talking about their win over Miami, and he's like, but that was the advantage back then. We had like 50 days to get ready for that game, and we put an entire new defense in that yeah. they weren't ready for. Yeah. And it got just enough pressure on Dorsey, Ken yeah. Dorsey, yeah. to disrupt him. And you could do that back then because you just had one game deal. But a playoff, I think, really makes it hard for the underdog to win the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Because by game two and now game three or even a game four with this new playoff we're going to, you can't just fluke your way or scheme your way to a championship. Nope. I mean, you could do it in a one-game thing. Yeah, in a one-gamer, mm-hmm. yeah, with all mm-hmm. that time to prepare. But yeah. in a two- or three- or four-game deal, Hard to do. talent wins. Talent yeah. wins. That's a great point. Sip, right now, 95 Nebraska in their peak form, plays 2022 Georgia in their peak form. Where are you setting the point spread? I'd say Nebraska's a three-point favorite. Three-point favorite. <laughs> Neutral site. Three-point favorite. All uh, right. Yeah, the more I think about it, the more I like Nebraska in that matchup. Hmm. What about 19 LSU? I, oh, I like Nebraska in that matchup. Yeah, I do. I, I, oh, one Miami? That's, I mean, that team was freaky, that Miami team. So was Nebraska. I mean, 95 Nebraska. Kyle, our good friend Kyle Cole Morgan said after about a series or two, like some of the guys walked back to the sidelines in that Miami game in the Rose Bowl, and they were just like, I mean, they were like, wow, we, we have no chance. Yep. <laughs> I just know this. Yeah. I was writing at halftime, and I never even thought about looking up. I didn't need to. Game was over. I, <laughs> I didn't see the second half. To this day, I have no idea what happened in the second half. Mm. And there were like 70,000 Nebraska fans there. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful scene. I mean, it, that Rose Bowl is everything you hear about. It's, it's gorgeous. And that, and that night was gorgeous. It was a beautiful sunset. Um, but not a game wasn't much. Final question. If you could travel anywhere on earth, free of cost, where would you go? Hmm. Mm. Anywhere on earth. Mm. <laughs> I will go to Chile. Okay. Because I've seen pictures of it. It looks like Patagonia area. It mm-hmm. looks incredible. looks like a different planet. Sipple's going to go to Shreveport. And it's funny because of RSS. <laughs> if I can like voluntarily go to Chile, <laughs> it's pretty funny. If you get banned on the message boards and disappear like some of our yeah. users have over the years, uh, they're the, in Chile. The code is you got sent to Chile. Oh, you got sent to Chile. Yeah. You could go to a lot worse places. Gosh, I have to really think about this. I don't know where I'd I don't even know go. where that started. That's been going on for... 15 years. Anywhere you want. I'd go to Croatia. I've got some Croatian Croatia. blood in me, and it's a beautiful country. <laughs> it is. It is. It's like it's it's like a vacation hub of Eastern Europe. Really? Yeah. yeah. They got like like gorgeous lakes I and stuff like that. they sent people to Croatia. <laughs> so I'm... I, no. <laughs> Prison I'm, I, I'm Irish, obviously, Callahan, but my other family side is Croatian. Okay. Like the neighborhood I grew up in in Sorry. South Omaha was the Croatian neighborhood. So I would go to Lubbock. So that would be... I mean, going to Ireland with you guys was a highlight. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, Ireland was sweet. Fun. If I had to pick anywhere, South America, somewhere in South America, somewhere warm. I thought you were going to say like Tijuana. <laughs> no, done that. <laughs> One time's enough. Um, Shreveport. Somewhere South America. Somewhere like that. Australia, too. Would like, be good. Beach, beach. Like the New Zealand area. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, just if you've ever seen Lord of the Rings, like that entire movie was shot in uh, New Zealand. Is that right? Yes. So, like... Just think of that landscape. Who wouldn't want to see that? Like, would you want to go to Cuba? No. No. Yeah, I would. Wow. Isn't it oppressive? Yeah, it's pretty... I mean... My dad went there recently. He said he loved it. Really? I hope I haven't offended half the world <laughs> at this point. So far, you hate Croatia and you hate Cuba. Yeah, Sean, I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to offend your ancestry there. Um, it's fine. We just need to uh, go back to Ireland again. Was find, that something? Find our, I was thinking about our driver, Ed. Mm. He was great. Ed made your column. Yeah, Ed Ed was incredible how much he knew. He was a fountain of information, and he was very tolerant and affable. Um, that day one was amazing in Ireland. Yeah. It, isn't it bizarre that we went to Ireland? I mean, everything moves way too fast. I know. Just imagine what's happened since we were riding around with Ed in that van. Yeah, think about it. <laughs> and we had to give those um, nutrition staff guys a ride back. The Nebraska nutrition staff. They got stranded at, at, at the stadium. At Aviva. And at Ed, the stadium. Ed gave him a ride. Yeah. Good old Ed. All right. When we come back, we will close the show um, with some new rules and national talk next. You're listening to the Husker Line Show.
You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washed as we bring you here through the month of January as we let off the show. All 10 coaches hired. They'll be on the road Friday recruiting for Nebraska. Um, also going on right now, guys, um, the NCAA Rules Convention in San Antonio. Um, a few new changes um, have been implemented already out of the convention. Um, one... And it was always kind of a silly rule. You can have all these analysts that you can pay whatever you want to be on your staff, but they're not allowed to be on the grass coaching technically. But we know that was obviously not the case at most places. Um, Analysts were heavily involved in a lot of different places over the years coaching. Now the new rule is going to allow analysts to coach during the practice week. Um, They call it the frost rule. And this was, you know, this, this was something that, like, literally, many people are calling it that. Yes, I mean, it was. Yes, it was the Rich Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically, if your AD doesn't want you there, like, they they drum this charge up on you. <laughs> right. That's effectively what was happening before it. At a lot of places. I mean, if you know, if you if your AD and your people want to make life hell on you, they would drum up this rule where your analysts are coaching. Oh, <laughs> it, 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 it's preposterous. In a lot of ways. Now, the anti-Frost folks will say, well, he was breaking the rules. So, yeah, all right, I guess. But just think about the effort we put into covering that. And, you know, that, you know, Trev Alberts came to practice and spoke at a press conference about this. And now it's nothing. Right. Exactly. Now it's now it's okay to do it. Yeah. It it was sort of presented as a scandal. And now it's right. It was a level two violation. Yeah. But it was weak. It, like anything around here, it gets way blown out of proportion, and it was blown way out of proportion, and now it's now it's now allowed it's allowed. So <laughs> it's super funny yeah. in a way. So the I mean, if Scott, and super pathetic in another. If Scott way. Frost gets another job, I would venture to guess the show cause on him would be over. That's a good question, and I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if anybody he still broke the rule when it was in effect. In, but would they? I mean. I would say I don't know if it'd be overshot. Be, that'd be interesting, but yeah. he'd just be a coordinator. Yeah. Well, Jim Harbaugh did the same thing, right? Like that's what this new round of investigations all about with him. So I mean, it's literally the exact same thing. He so. never did his one week either. Um, that was the big penalty, right? He was going to have to like leave the frost. Yes, yeah, leave yeah. the facility for a week, <laughs> and it, it had to be like a Monday through Friday where you could not be up there. Um, so, all right, the other rule change they're talking about it's not official yet is the calendar and recruiting and you kind of look at just how things have gone um this past year especially with the transfer portal opening on december 5th coaches going on the road to recruit the signing day um you know there was 45 days of the portal coaches on the road at the early signing day on december 21st i mean there was so much there some coaches getting ready for bowl games getting ready for Mm -hmm. bowl games think about that it caused an immense amount of stress everywhere in college football um, to manage the portal, to manage a bowl game, to manage a roster, to manage coaching changes, coaching hires, um, all these different things. There's some talk. Can you move the signing day to when? before the portal opens? So before December 5th. Right. Um, the only thing in – How do you do that? Because there's games still being played. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? I think the real question I have is you eliminate the senior year of kids. If, if you – if you push up signing day to August, let's say, okay. then like, what does that do to kids that? Because we all know a guy that we grew up with in high school that wasn't that good as a junior and became like an all-state type guy as a senior. You know, those kids are going to really be penalized if you move the signing date to when to like August or something. So it, kids well, would be signing before their senior year, right? Yeah, that's not. Um, that doesn't. Can, good. I mean, could you just move it back to like what it used to be, February? Yeah, mid February, and just have one. Just eliminate the early signing day altogether, and and just but Jeez. the problem. Okay, then here goes back to the old problem. What? Then you have to kind of babysit your commits all the way to February. So if you have twenty some commits, you've got to visit each one of them almost every week 
just to make sure new coaching staffs that get hired aren't coming in to try to take your commits. Because that was the problem for Nebraska mm-hmm. back in the day when like an Arkansas or an Auburn or somebody would hire a new coach. In that January month where it was just like a lot of time, mm-hmm. they would go in to like, if you had a, we, there a was, troop in. okay, there was a receiver in Orlando that was committed to Rich Fisher and Bo Pelini and, I remember Greg and I during that bowl game, one of those bowl trips in Orlando. Like we went to his house and interviewed him. Mm-hmm. Well, then he switched to Auburn because yeah. the, the new Auburn staff, uh-huh. um, wow. you know, convinced him in January to switch. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's why the early signing day came around was to eliminate January, where it turned into kind of a poaching game. Yeah, no answers here. There no are no easy I mean, answers. I don't think no. there is an easy solution um, with signing day in the portal, other than you know Bo, the Bo Pelini rule. Uh, Bo Pelini just said, I want to go to a deal where when you make an offer, you have the ability to sign at any moment. Yeah. So a kid can commit and sign. That's that's how to do it. Yeah. yeah why, it, why does there need to be a specific day or window for that to happen? Why is that? Yeah. Why is it? Why does there have to be? But then, then NIL would become a problem at that point because then you could you could tie lots of money and say, like, our collective, the collective will pay you this much if you sign now. If you wait, that money's gone. Then the collective stuff becomes bigger. I don't know if that's a. I don't know if that that's an issue. Yeah, it's already kind of happening anyway yeah. to an extent. It's not supposed to, but it is. Um, but yeah, I, the Pelini rule, people kind of like scoffed at it. Yeah, but it had that, a lot. Of, it had a lot of thought to it. That that's his. Yeah, his idea was a player when upon commitment will sign or, or at least have the option to. Yeah. Like I don't, it shouldn't be a requirement. Well, that's the question. Should why? I don't know. Because if you're a recruit, I mean, I think you should have. If you want to end think, your recruiting process, you should be able to do so. But I if think, not, then you want to let things play out. I guess then the solution would be don't commit. <laughs> but right. I think Bo, I think Bo, if he was here, would say no. My in, my intent is that no, that, that he has to sign at that point. If he commits, he has. And to And it would sign. eliminate the non-committable offers too, right? Like you could only offer somebody if they could sign. Where now, yeah. like, you can offer. Or you're not people. offering 150 kids if they could all sign. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Pelini's ideas was pretty good. I mean, yeah. I think Greg Sankey might agree. The SEC commissioner who sounded off about the stress that the current setup, the current apparatus, is putting on coaches. It's enormous stress. You know, now we don't even. I mean, we're not even familiar with this apparatus during a Nebraska period where they're getting ready for a bowl game. Now think about them, these coaches handling all this, the current setup, and getting ready to play a, a Playing like bowl December game. 27th in <laughs> Phoenix. Think about that. It's a ton. Well, so, and players leaving your roster. Oh, and the other new rule they're going to put in or trying to is redshirt freshmen or the true freshmen they're going to redshirt. They can play in bowl games, and it won't count towards their four games. Oh, uh, because of the roster issues it's caused sure. uh, with and the set portal. outs and whatnot. Because yeah. you might have – look at Florida. Like Florida had all those guys go in the portal mm-hmm. uh, before their bowl game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they got their teeth kicked in by Oregon State. Well, you know what all this I, – I, I, when we talk about all this stuff, it just reveals sort of the flaws of college football. It's just – There are many. Yeah. I, how we got to this, I, I sometimes wonder – it and, wasn't this complicated in 1985. It well, was not. And everybody, every player thinks they're going to make the NFL. A lot of these guys do, and it causes transferring, and it causes opt-outs. And mm-hmm. I mean, opt-outs. It's, I mean, the bowl games will never be – I think the playoff, though, going to 12 will help the bowl games a lot because the top, the top 12 teams are going to have all their best players playing in bowl games. Mm-hmm. It's the other bowl games that's not – it's but virtually become – they're rendered. Spring I hate to games. say this, like useless. I hate to say it because I'm a bull. I'm a bull person. But man, if I mean, you're not in that 12 teamer, Wisconsin played Oklahoma State. <laughs> Luke Fickle coached that game, which is still bizarre to me. Mm-hmm. But both teams had like quarterbacks that will never ever see the field again starting the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be like Nebraska starting like Matt Masker in a bowl game. <laughs> There were a lot of bowl games like that. And then the Sugar Bowl, though, was Alabama. Nobody opted out. Kansas that's, State didn't have opt-outs. That speaks to the culture of those programs. It really does. I don't think Kansas State had any opt-outs. They might have had Because think about like last year, Michigan State, Kenneth Walker opted out of the Sugar Bowl. 
and Kenny Pickett opted out of the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. Changed the whole Sugar Bowl. It did. This year, the Sugar Bowl. Or was it the Peach Bowl those teams played in? One of those. Alabama. But this year, out in the Sugar Bowl, Alabama was intact. And so is K-State. Deuce, yeah. Va- Deuce Vaughn played. Deuce Vaughn he played. declared. Yeah. And I think we, we're just not seeing that as much as we used to. Right. Like, if Nebraska would have played in a bowl game this year, okay. Trey Palmer wouldn't have played. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Probably Garrett not. Nelson? You, I, I don't know. I don't want to go through and speculate on each guy, but... I don't think Trey Palmer would have played. Trey Palmer, well, he declared for the NFL like the day after the regular season. Like, mm-hmm. minutes after college game day when Matt Rule was interviewed on FaceTime. That's when... Portrait, Trey... portrait mode FaceTime. Remember that interview? <laughs> Yeah, I do remember that interview. Was that portrait mode FaceTime? Yeah, he had like the. Was it really? He was on a beach. It, That's what that it was, was. Like the wa- it had like that. You know how a portrait mode has like that kind of like. It blurs the background. Blurs the background image. Oh wow! I didn't realize that. That's interesting. And then Trey Palmer announced his intentions that day, right? Yeah. So you're probably right. You wouldn't have had him. Drove back from Iowa that night to get home. That was a. A long night, early morning. Yeah. Going, going back to the the Bo Pelini rule or the idea yeah. that we talk about, you know who else is in favor of that? Dave Dorn. Is that right? Yeah. He's one of the guys that has been, according to the story uh, on ESPN that I'm reading, he's uh-huh. one of several coaches in favor of an open signing period where they can sign at any time as long as the school stays under a cap of 85 scholarships. So apparently that's not just some crazy Bo Pelini idea. Like there's several, quote unquote, other coaches on board with that all right well lots to follow lots to keep up on transfer portal news the portal closes on monday husker basketball friday night uh make sure you are on huskeronline.com we will keep you up to date with the latest thanks again for joining us this week on husker online your authority on nebraska athletics